Welcome to the Junkyard Outreach. This is Todd, and thanks for joining me as we go through the scriptures and learn what we can to draw close to Jesus. For more episodes and information, check out junkyardoutreach.com. And now, let's dig in. Continuing in our study of Ephesians chapter 6, we come to the belt of truth. In John chapter 18, verse 37, Jesus and the Roman leader who would later sentence him to be crucified, Pontius Pilate, were having a conversation. It says, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Those famous words. After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. That's interesting that Pilate did not find him guilty. He was looking at him not from a religiously prideful way. He was looking at him from a logical way. What is this guy's problem? Why do the Jews hate him so much? Essentially because they don't want to bear witness to the truth. The leaders, that is. The Jewish people were listening, and he had many disciples from the Jews. As the first century was underway, the beginning of the church was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. The disciples were Jewish. The apostles were Jewish. But the leaders, blinded by their self-righteousness, would have nothing to do with the truth. And it was foretold in the Old Testament that Messiah would come. And they knew that. But as Jesus came and as he irritated them at every level, instead of looking at him and saying, what is with this guy? Let's delve into it. They just immediately knee-jerked and said, he's bad, like many people do today. Don't want anything to do with this guy. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this leads into the discussion about truth as the central weapon in our armor. Anyone who's ever worn a uniform understands the importance of a belt. It's positioned in the center of the body to hold things in place. And in Jesus' time, soldiers would be well aware of the importance of a belt because not only did it secure their uniform, it also held their weapons. If a man wore a robe in Jesus' time, the belt would act like a securing device for the lower part of the robe in the event the man had to run or fight. They would hike up their robe, tuck it into the belt, and that would free up their feet to give them more mobility. Gird up your loins. And using the belt as an illustration, in spiritual warfare, we can easily see the advantage of knowing the truth versus believing the half-truths or lies because the belt is central to everything. The belt secures. It's tight. It doesn't fall. And anybody who's gained weight over the years, like I have, all of a sudden they buy a pair of shorts and they can't fit into these things anymore. So they have to buy the next size up and you feel like they're falling off you. So you get a belt and man, it feels good when that belt cinches that up because your pants don't fall down. Of course, I guess that's kind of stylish now, but for us old guys, wearing our pants down like that would look like an idiot. In John chapter 8, Jesus finds himself again fighting with the Pharisees. And this is a heated one. And in verse 31, Jesus, he turns away from the Pharisees who are just all up in his face. And he says to those who believe him, if you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the context here is they are listening to this debate going back and forth. And in the midst of it, they probably all had questions, and Jesus is standing his ground. He just turns to him and goes, look, obey what I say, and you'll get it. And I've learned that that's the truth. Since I've been a believer, and since I've been trying to walk this life as best I can, because I'm flawed, but when I'm following him, when I'm obeying him, when I'm obeying his word, and when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, usually I know it's the Holy Spirit and not my conscience. The two are extremely different because my conscience will warn me when things are bad or make me feel guilty, that kind of stuff. The Holy Spirit will speak to me and go, hey, go do this. It's something I don't even want to do. I'm not even you know, thinking about it. 
go over and talk to that person. Go help this person. Hey, go tell this person. Things like that. He just instructs you to do these random things and, you know, and you go do it and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this thing blossoms into a time of worship, a time of ministry that's just amazing. And so I know that as I obey him, as I listen to his spirit, as I study his word and enact these things that he says, I'm getting it. I see the truth he's speaking of. And as someone who's living a life in Christ, although it's bumpy at times, I see these things. They make sense. And I see them as truth. Jesus, in the same chapter, he turns back to the Pharisees because they were saying that, you know, Abraham is our father. Look, man, we are the sons of Abraham. And Jesus says, Jesus turns the whole thing over and goes, no, you're not children of Abraham. You are children of your father, the devil. Abraham is our father. No, the devil's your father. And you want to follow your father's desires. From the very beginning, he was a murderer and has never been on the side of truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he is only doing what is natural to him because he is a liar and the father of all lies. When I was a new believer, these verses kind of bothered me because I didn't know the scriptures. I barely knew the Lord. But truth is more than just knowledge. It's reality. I found that out later. There are many people I've met over the years who lived in bad neighborhoods with bad role models, a chaotic upbringing. But talking with them, they had a keen sense of truth. They could smell BS a mile away. Why? Because they've seen the truth. The things that many people don't want to talk about. You ever seen a family member shot or overdose? You ever come home, find your door booted in, your entire home trashed? How about seeing your mother beaten or seeing your mother in her bedroom with yet another man making all kinds of noise in there? I believe we can mistakenly think of truth as all things good when truth includes all things bad too. Talk to refugees about their life experience. I have some Sudanese friends who've shared their story of horror in their country. They know the truth. They know a side of reality that is dark. And the truth is, this world's really messed up. But Jesus said he is the truth. And what does that mean? Well, I believe it means that he is the ultimate reality with nothing false in him. There's nothing false in Jesus. You know, the devil pushes continual falsehood, as he did with Eve in the garden. His lies never stop. And when you reject truth, when you listen to the devil, you default to that which is not true. In Psalm 119, verse 104, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Learning to trust Jesus as the Holy Spirit is ministering to us. It leads us down a path where we begin to see things much differently. We see things that we put so much energy into in our past. Things that really have no eternal value. Things we once saw as amazing. Now we realize, man, that was a deceptive. I don't know how many guys have dumped tons of money into a car. And then they either wreck it or they try to sell it because something happens and they don't get their money back. And they're just like, oh man, I wasted all that money. It's a deception. I love watching documentaries on famous people. And I watched a couple this past week, and I saw such a vivid example of people pursuing falsehood. Fame brought darkness into their lives. And they even said this. They even used the word darkness. Darkness brought about evil intent, and in many cases thrust its victims into every evil imaginable. They had money, they had fame, they could do whatever they want. And what did they do? I can think of two, right off the top of my head, who were known for their excessive drug use and orgies. These two guys, that's what their (laughs) thing was. They would gather in a room, do their dope, and they'd have sex with all these people, all gathered in one room. Now, that may seem appealing to a lot of perverted people, but both men died of complications from sexually transmitted diseases and diseases transferred by intravenous drug use. And the years leading up to their death were horrible. And they were just showing pictures of these guys. And I'm like, oh, man. They had their bragging rights. I did this, I did that. And of course, the media hails them as great, creative minds, energetic. Oh my God, they changed the world, all this kind of stuff. But you look at them, it reminds me of that verse. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? 
And if you think that just happened in modern times, think again. Romans 13, 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Galatians 5, 21, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 4, 3, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passion, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatries. So you can see this stuff's been going on forever. And who do you think is at the root of it? Who do you think is rooting people on? Who do you think is enticing people, tempting people with every kind of evil there is and ushering them in? And if you are opening your mind to the devil, then you're opening your mind to falsehood and he is going to enslave you in these types of things. And all you have to do is look around. And if you think these things don't happen today, then sorry to say you are very naive. They do. And these guys, these famous people, I hope they came to Christ. I really do. They live their lives and they're hailed as these heroes. But the hell that they go through dealing with depression, anxiety, addiction, broken relationships, health problems, and then ultimately death. It's sad. That's why we pursue Jesus. He is the way. We follow him. And in my experience, many of my dreams were actually fulfilled in a surprising way while on that narrow and difficult path. Blew my mind. As James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Stay on the narrow, difficult road. Trust in Jesus and be blessed. Thank you.